Hello and welcome to the Beans Media Diary. I'm so pleased you decided to listen in. Has you got all of these things coming right up? He's very good at what he does. Yeah, very... no, I thought I thought I was special and I thought I was the only one, but <laughs> clearly not. I wonder who else he's done it to. I'm not going to lie, secretly, Bal, I'm really upset that you've mentioned that happened with you as well. My name is Bal Baines and I am your host. In every instalment, I'll be joined by a different person from the world of media, food, sports, property and everything in between. So I promise you there'll be something for everyone. In this episode, I'm joined by Husnain Hanif from BBC Radio Lancashire. Hey Husnain. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. Just about coping. Yeah, I was just saying before we start recording that your background makes you look like really intelligent. That really cool. Are you insinuating <laughs> I'm a very intelligent person, Bob. I, I know you are. I've known, I've known you for what, about a year? And I know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it just made, it's a nice background. I don't even read any of these books. It's at the office. <laughs> so just to uh, get cracking straight away so you joined BBC Radio Lancashire in 2018 was it 2018 2017 2018 almost two years ago just about two years now yes yeah, so what was you doing before that before you joined um, before you joined Lanx um, I was working um, uh, which I'm still part of an organization called in situ in Pendle, which is based in Bryfield, my hometown. Um, it's an uh, arts organisation. Uh, so we, uh, the arts organisation in itself have done a lot of work uh, in and around Burnley and Pendle and this local area of East Lancashire. Okay. Um, and I was uh, the radio manager. So there was an online arts radio station uh, in situ community arts radio. Uh, and I managed that. Okay, cool. So how did you how did you get into the BBC? How did you was there like a process? It was an application. What 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 happened? This is um uh, this is somewhat of a weird story. Okay, so basically I um I got a phone call one random afternoon uh from a journalist at BBC Radio Lancashire who happens to be Mike Stevens, who's our political reporter. Yes, yeah. Who uh, wanted to interview me as an artist. Um, and it was something got to do with, you know, the political paradigms of the wards and stuff like that and how, how that would affect artists living in this local area. Uh, so I invited him to my home uh, to interview me there just at, at my house. Uh, and we just started talking and he asked me what I did. So I told him and uh, he suggested it would be a good idea if I took a tour at BBC Radio Lancashire. Uh, you know, two new studios uh, have been made, so he was like, you know, it'll be really cool and we can have some lunch. Uh, and lo and behold, the following week I went. Um, yeah, so I went to the, the station, I had a look, um, and then I went for lunch. And then right at the end, Mike Stevens said, oh, let's, let's introduce you to our editor. So I sat with our editor, which is John Clayton, yeah. Uh, and had a very good chat, uh, not making anything of this at all. Um, and then I came back home. And then a few days later, I had an email uh, from the editor himself asking if I could meet them. Uh, and then I was offered uh, a job as a presenter. For the wow. Room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think Mike Stevens has got uh, a history because he did exactly the same with me. <laughs> He's very good at what he does. Yeah, no, I thought I thought I was special, and I thought I was the only one, but clearly not. I wonder who else he's done it to. 
gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie secretly, Bell. I'm really upset that you've mentioned that happened with you as well. <laughs> so yeah, he did the same because he he uh, visited the campus. I was showing him around, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you'll have to come and see the studio." I was like, "Okay, cool." Again, not thinking anything of it. And then yeah, then I met John, and he's like, "Oh, we can offer you like work experience." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> what's even like?" <laughs> yeah. And you're good at you as well. So I mean, I've spent some time with you at the studio as well, and you're very good at what you do. Oh, I do appreciate that. I do. I didn't even pay you to say that either. So I know, right? I'll send you my invoice. So you mentioned the common room earlier, and I know that went on to become the Thursday night takeover, TNT, uh, and you host that with Lydia Favell, who I done a podcast with. I think it's episode nine or ten, um, and on that show you do something called Try Day, which, in my opinion, is so so simple but really really effective as a radio feature and something to do on like social media so what has been so a what is Friday and b what has been the favorite one you've done okay so um Friday is basically um like you mentioned a feature in which where myself and Lydia my co-host challenge one another to do something we've never done before so you know that could be learning a new skill uh, maybe even conquering a fear or doing something just random really and that sort of makes for entertaining radio but it's something new for both of us um, okay. my favorite one that I don't know I've uh, set a challenge to Lydia Let's do both. Let's do both. Because I know you've done some horrible ones to Lydia. Um, but yeah, let's do, let's do the one you've done. Some horrible ones to me. <laughs> so, let me tell you. So I, uh, let me tell you a story. So this first week that we started doing this feature on Friday. So no, actually it was, it started off in a previous show called The Common Room. So we started doing, um, it was called Friday Friday, as it were. Okay. And so we discussed that we were going to do this and then Lydia said I want to set the first challenge and she didn't tell me until the day until about half an hour before we were going to go so I'm like all very excited thinking you know this is a new feature I wonder how it's going to you know be uh, what are the listeners going to make of this social media wise so yeah, as a presenter yeah of course yeah always thinking about all of this sort of stuff you know how are we going to sort of envision this piece is going to be and she said to me I'm taking you to get your legs waxed <laughs> Um, so, yeah, uh, that was my, that was the first ever Friday. So she set the bar, she set the bar quite high with that. Well, I'm not going to lie, I was livid inside, but, I, you know, I have to sort of do this, I've got to go ahead and, you know, I'll get my own back on her. So, yeah, I went to this um, salon, um, I've never experienced anything like it. And I forever will remain with the stance of why anybody would put themselves through that. It was horrible. It you was still got a, like a, a, a bold patch on your leg. Have you still got it? Or is it growing back? I'm on Zoom right now. I won't show you. <laughs> <laughs> but after this, you can have a look. <laughs> it has grown back, but I'll tell you, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the first ever one. And I think... Uh, in retaliation, I was so angry that she yeah. had done this that the following week I thought, I'm going to do something like Celebrity Big Brother. No, not Celebrity Big Brother. What's the other one called? Which one? Which one are you talking about? Get me out of here. 
Right, okay, cool, yeah. So I didn't tell her where I was taking her, so I took her to somewhere in the middle of Preston, blindfolded her and put all these snakes and spiders and lizards. I put everything, I just, I just thought, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Wow. And then obviously there was the one where uh, you were with us. And we oh, the fish. The fish one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably, for her, that was the most revolting one. I don't think she can ever get over what I did to her there. Yeah, because I think I was on my work experience that week, and uh, Versha, like our producer, said, oh, I'd like you to go with her, Samane and Lydia, to, to film this thing. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. And then when you said, oh, she's, uh, she's going to gut a fish, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't believe you made her do that. That's hilarious. Do you know what it is? I think there was the, there was the wow factor. There was the entertainment of it. The but smell. Really, the smell as well. It was, and she learned a new skill. That's something she would never have done. And you know what? There's lots of try days that we've done. Where had we not been the presenters uh, of that show and did that specific feature, we would never have been able to try out some of the things that we've done. Yeah. So is, is making Lydia do the fish gutting your favourite one that you've done to her? Would you say? Yeah. I'd probably say yes. That was yeah. probably first. And what's your favourite? Because you've, you've made, I think another one you did where you made soup. Is that correct? You went to a soup kitchen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So what happened is that the first few were like, I'm getting my own back on her. Okay, so cool. All the horrible things. And then I slowly learned that I can set these striders up for her, which will mutually benefit me. <laughs> I love the, you, I think that's why I like, you think exactly like me. <laughs> so I'm, I sent her to all of these, like, uh, I sent her to go and make chocolate. Um, and so then I could try it. Um, went to soup kitchens so I could get a free lunch out of it. You know, it, was, it was so good. I even sent her to, um, uh, I say sent her, I even went with her and challenged her to learn the art of uh, massage just so that <laughs> I could get. <laughs> so there were lots of things. I just don't want to say too much because if she watches this, she's not going to be very happy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep it PG. We'll keep it PG. So what would a, like, so pre-lockdown, so before all this happened, what would a, like, a typical day in BBC Radio Lancashire look for a presenter of, of the station? Is it, like, sort of set, or is it sort of different? What's, what sort of day would it look like? Or is there a typical day? See, I think, uh, depending on what job you're doing and what you're employed as, and if you're a freelancer and what you're doing... Uh, I think your day looks very, very differently. So I can, you know, it's a very busy atmosphere. So if you've ever been, you've been into the newsroom and for those people who have never been into a newsroom, uh, especially a BBC newsroom where, you know, it's, you know, the BBC is one of the biggest broadcasting networks in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky to work uh, for the BBC. Uh, there's lots of things, there's a lot, lots of learning opportunities. Um, but I can talk about my day. So we would walk in in the morning and straight away I'd grab a coffee because that's what life's about. It's about coffee. Uh, and then we would have a team meeting um, and, and that would be the entire newsroom. Uh, so people who are working on the breakfast show, people who are working on the afternoon show, the evening drive time show as well. Um, and then there was obviously specialist shows and Lydia and myself hosted a specialist show. It was for younger people, younger audiences. I'd probably class it as a specialist show. 
and we talk about the news of the day, so what things are trending, what items are trending, what's happening in Lancashire. So we were all sorted in on what was happening in our county, and then we take it from there. So everybody knew what each programme was doing, and I think that's a really good way of doing it. It's not a competition that my programme is better than yours. We're one team, and we root for each other, and that's what uh, colleagues and peers do with one another where we would root for each other and give each other ideas and suggestions of what we could do to make our show better. Because at the end of the day, when all said and done, everything is about the listener. And we yeah. want to make our station the best station in Lancashire. Um, and so from a, a team meeting, we would then have a separate team briefing where my little team, so Versha, myself, Lydia, and anybody else, on that specific day, who was going to be working with us, who was going to be recording with us, going out for our try day. We would search for our try day, reply back to our emails, and then find guests, do some research on what would be interesting for our show, search for music, look at different music styles and genres of what we wanted to play that week. So it was just, you know, working ahead. And if we needed to do any pre-records, we would set the pre-records up prepare our scripts, uh, interview questions, go into the studio, do the pre-record interview, come back, edit it. So we'd split our responsibilities, yeah. Yeah, so I, so I did my first show on New Voices. So I, I like one of the finest to do New Voices. And I echo what you say because a lot of people think that, especially uh, people I've talked to, they think that you turn up five minutes for a show, you do the show and then you leave. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that there is so much work that even as someone who's been studying it, even I was shocked by, not shocked, I think shock's the wrong word, but how I was just like taken aback by how much work goes into an hour show or two hour show, or whatever it may be. It is just ridiculous. And the stuff well, you're saying is, is true. It is true. You know, if, I mean, if we put it into perspective, both Lydia and I spent two entire days, so that's eight hour shifts, so that's 16 hours uh, each to make a two-hour show. So that just goes to show how much work is then involved in doing this as well. Uh, it's not easy, but I think it's a good thing that people don't know that's how long it takes because that just goes to show that we as presenters or journalists are doing our job right. We need to yeah. sound like we are talking and we've not just every single item that we've done, we've prepared it, we know what we're going to talk about it sounds very easy enough to sit here and talk about what we're doing. So for example, you, you're hosting this whole session today. There's yeah. going to have to be preparation for this. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. You know, you, there's lots of things that you would have had to do before coming on and talking about this. And I think it's important for people to understand that there's a lot of work to be done. It's not just a DOS life or studying being a journalist or being a presenter or front face media and performing arts of any nature. I don't think it's easy. I know yeah. a lot of people that think it is easy. It's, it's very hard. Yeah, no, because I, I sort of like, so we were, I was back home and that one of my friends made the remark, oh, you, you're just presenting, you're just in. So I was like, okay then. So I, I launched Spotify. I said, right, I want to introduce this track, play the track and then back announce it, which is like just saying the end of it. And he couldn't do it. He was like, uh, the, 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 and he was just stuttering his words. And I think that just shows, like you said, it, it is, it's not easy. And it is hard, although we are extremely, extremely lucky and very fortunate to do what we do. It, it, is, it is a lot of craft, and a lot of work, a lot of hours that goes into it. Of course. Of course. Yeah. 
Do you know what it is? I, even I, as a presenter, I mean, I've been presenting since the age of eight, and I'm going to be 30 in a few months. Um, I still find it difficult. There's times where I just yeah. find it hard because in essence, what you're actually doing is talking into a microphone for two, three hours. You're talking yeah. to yourself and you know that there's lots of people listening, but you have to address one person. Yeah, that's that right. It's about. It has to be intimate. And then all the things that come with it, so the media law, adhering to everything, you have to be very impartial, you know, and in conversations, you just want to have a normal conversation. Yeah. And sometimes having that normal conversation, you, it can't be done on air because there's certain things that we can and can't say. Yeah, massively, yeah. So outside of BBC Radio Lancashire, what, what do you do? Because I know you, you sing and I've heard you sing and you're very, very, very talented. So is that, is that all you do or are you in a, in a group or, or a like choir? So I'm actually what you call a Nasheed singer. Nasheed. Uh, um, yeah, Nasheed. So Nasheed uh, is an Arabic word for midha which means praise. Um, so it is historically um, a religious form of singing. So Islamic, Sufi, healthy poetry. Um, however, there's lots of ways that you can sing uh, Nasheed. So it fits into lots of different uh, key occasions. Uh, so I'm a Nasheed singer, so traditional Nasheed singer, and I sing in the South Asian, Middle, Middle Eastern melodies. Uh, but recently I've just started, I founded um, the Nasheed Choir. So it's the first ever, world, world's first ever dedicated four-part harmony choir. Wow. So in, in uh, the Nasheed field in South Asia and Middle East, four-part harmony as in a proper choir, it's not a, a normal way of singing. It's, it's not something that's done in the South Asian or Middle Eastern cultures. It's a very Western classical tradition. And so as a Nasheed artist, who is from a Pakistani descent, but British born and bred, I wanted to do something in my craft, uh, in my art, to represent who I am and my three identities. So my one identity is being a Muslim. My second identity is being from a South Asian background, Pakistani. And my third identity is being British born and bred. Uh, and I've been raised, in, born and bred in this country, raised with these morals and principles. And I wanted to fuse these three identities to create a piece of artwork. And so, and that's why I did the Nasheed Choir. So I've just founded that last September. Um, the lockdown, since the lockdown's been happening, I've not been working with the young people. But as soon as lockdown's over, we'll be starting again. And we did our first performance at Burnley Mechanics Theatre. Okay. And we had over 400 people that turned up for the launch. Wow. Okay. So what was the process of like setting up something like that? Is it, is it hard to get people in? Or what, what, what did you do? Well, actually, it's... I didn't think initially, I don't think it was going to be hard. Um, but when you get into it, it's very hard. Yeah. Because there's lots of um, uh, overcoming objections. There's lots of things that you have to um, take into mind because of the people that we're working with. So at this moment in time with the choir, I'm only working with South Asian Muslim boys. Um, and music or engaging with the arts isn't something that happens in this area, unfortunately. Um, and especially not with working class South Asian families as well. Um, so there was a lot of intense conversations with parents. Um, and so, yeah, so I've, and then there was the whole audition process. Then there was working out the melodies. So even working with my composer, um, 
and the choral director who was who is Julian Evans. It was a lot of hard work, you know, traditional South Asian religious uh, music. We're sort of changing and putting various different harmonies onto it. It's quite a dangerous thing to do. Yeah, um, no, it sounds it. <laughs> I think we did it quite eloquently and in a nice way. I don't think anybody took offence to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So with the, the stuff that you're doing now, what sort, of, what sort of advice would you give to A, someone who wants to like sort of sing and perform and also someone who would like to get into the BBC or not, not just the BBC, but get into presenting and into radio. So what would you say to someone who would like to do that? Um, okay. So if someone would like to, um, become an artist, musician, or a performer, my advice would be to take lessons. It's always best to have a teacher. Okay. Uh, some things can't be self-taught, and performing is one of those. We can have a, a talent or those skills. It doesn't mean that you can hone that yourself. You always need a teacher. Uh, so there's lots of drama schools, music schools, teachers who can teach you to be a better singer, work on your confidence, your stage presence, and all of that sort of stuff. So I would say for anybody, uh, wants to be a performer or a musician, then get in touch with professionals in that field. Take advice from them of where to go next. In every area, in this country, there's drama schools, there's performing arts schools, there's music, singing teachers. There's lots of that about. You know, reach out to somebody, and I'm sure many people in this field will give you the right advice for you. Um, and if you want to work at the BBC or become a presenter, then you know what? Volunteer at uh, radio stations, community-based radio stations. Go and study, uh, study the art of broadcasting. It's not easy. It looks yeah. easy, but not easy. It's very hard. Uh, and it looks better if you have a degree in it or if you have any qualifications in it. There's lots of routes to take to becoming a broadcaster. In terms of the BBC, um, it's very difficult to get into the BBC, I must admit. But if you're good, the good thing about the BBC and the management in the BBC is that if you're good, they'll definitely grab you with both hands. So try to be unique. What is your USP? As, because as a broadcaster, as a presenter, your shop is you. You're selling yourself, you're selling your voice, you're selling your personality, you're selling your skills, the way that you talk, the way that you communicate, your hand movements, your body language, your facial expressions, you're selling all of that. So try to work on that, be confident, but don't ever become cocky. There's a difference between yeah. being confident and being cocky. So have that personality. I think being a broadcaster, you have to have a personality. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. So yeah. think to yourself, if I was listening to myself on the radio, would I be interested in listening to myself? Have I got anything worthwhile to say? How can I connect with a general audience? Um, so these are the things that I think are very, very important. Uh, and also go and study media. There's all the universities are doing journalism and generic media courses. Go and study them, uh, take part. I know lots of people, um, people in our positions, started off on hospital radios, yeah. voluntary radio stations, student radio stations, and build that profile. So always have a showreel, something that you can send off to an employer. If you want to send something to the editor of BBC Radio Lancashire, then you need to send something for him to listen to. He needs to know what you sound like on air. 
And yeah. if you've got nothing, if you've got no, no experience, nobody's going to put you on a platform where hundreds of thousands of people are going to be listening to you. Yeah, massively. Yeah, now I, I definitely echo those what you've just said because before I came to to Lanx, I was doing hospital radio, I was studying media. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's just I think it put me in good stead, and it felt like I was I was ready, and it felt like I was ready to make the next step because I was I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I was really daunted about working with you guys and working at the BBC, but it just felt right. And it felt, and you guys like just welcomed me and we were cracking jokes and it just, I don't know, it just felt like, the, and it cemented that that's, this is what I want to do and this is where I want to be. So I definitely agree with you there. The thing is about um, everybody is very welcoming and you would agree that it's a very fast paced life. Yeah, 100 miles per hour, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very go-go. It's not like I'll just do this as and when I want and I'll take my time in it. It's the stories come out now. You need to get it out now. You need to be fully prepared for it. And, and you know, you've studied this. You know the theory side of it. And then coming into the studio and doing the practical work, it's very enjoyable when you know what you're going to be doing, yeah. when you know how to do it as well. Um, and then having a personality like yours where, you know, with just you know, want to have a laugh, want to have a nice time, smile, laugh, joke around, but get your work done. You know, if you're an introvert, I'm not sure this field would be the right field uh, for anybody who's an introvert. Yeah, massively, yeah. So just to, just to like wrap things up, I want to ask you three questions. One on the past, one on the present, and one on the future. So what would you give... So what advice would you give to a 15-year-old you? So looking at the past now, so what advice would you give a 15-year-old Hussein Hanif? What would you say to him? Oh, okay. Uh, so this is, uh, it's quite a difficult one, isn't it? 15-year-old. Yeah. I'd yeah. probably say to myself, listen, life is unfair. Get used to it. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. So just get on with it. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, Knowing what I know now, I'd probably say, listen, all dreams are possible. This was a dream of mine. What I'm doing now at one stage was I could only dream of doing and I've achieved that. Not only just in my BBC career, but in my uh, arts and music career as well. What I've achieved so far was, you know, at one stage, I'd never thought I could ever do. Um, so I would probably start off younger. So whatever you're dreaming now at 15 years of age, start with it now and you'll get it done by your 2022 yeah it took that, a long time to do it definitely yeah because everything starts with a with a single step and i think that's the hardest bit just starting and then mm. once you've got that momentum it sort of snowballs from there yeah definitely yeah it's so true. i think everybody who's actually achieved something in their life would probably agree with me when i say that they wish they had done it earlier yeah um, and so I wish that I had done what I'm doing now a lot earlier and I would have been further along my uh, career. Yeah. But I think like, like it's, it's good to say that, but you are where you're supposed to be right now in this time. So if, if you, if you're doing what you're doing now in a year's time, that's too late. But if you're doing what you're doing now a year ago, uh, a year earlier, that's too early. So yeah, no, I, I do say, I do get what you're saying about just starting earlier but I, I don't know like it's a weird one like how like, starting earlier is always a good thing but 
I'm not sure. I, I see where you're coming from, and I think everybody has their own independent journey. Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, the question that you asked is a very, very good question, um, because I think it requires uh, an answer of positivity. Yeah, hugely, um, yeah positive all the time and I think the what I'm trying to say is be positive don't think that you can't achieve what you want to do trust me had I known that at this age I would be like this uh, and I would have got to this stage I would have tried a lot earlier so yeah. I wouldn't have put my dreams or my plans on hold uh, to when I think is an appropriate age for me to do it so I thought I was always young to do what I was doing until I came into the career, into, until I came into the industry and realized there's people who are 10 years younger than me doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So really, it's not too early. Nothing is too early. If you work for it, it's on time. It yeah. comes on time. And always, always know that you are going to fall. So there will be times where people will reject you and people will say no to your ideas or what you want to do. But keep working, keep moving on, get up every time you fall, get up. And I know a lot of people say this, but I'm actually saying this from experience. So there were lots of things that, you know, came my way, trials and tribulations. And I wouldn't generally just say this because other people are saying it. I'm saying this because I've experienced it. When people put you down, when you, they, you feel that there is no other way to get out from this, get up and start doing it again. Start doing it again. There is no shame in falling down and getting back up. You're, yeah. you're making yourself, it's part of your journey. Like, well, you're not gonna be part of, you're not gonna take my journey for me and I'm not gonna take my, your journey, you know, for you. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. Everyone's on their own separate journey. And reach out to people, ask for help, always ask for advice, but always know that you're the decision maker. You're going to make that decision for your future. Yeah, no, that's great advice. So moving on to the present, you've got a dinner party and you can invite three people. They can be dead or alive. It can be anyone in the world, celebrity, non-celebrity, whoever you would like. Who would you invite? So which three people would you have? So you've got you and three other people. Who would you, who would you go for? Um... It's a, it's a tough question. Everyone stumbles on this one. <laughs> no, it's, it's really difficult because um, what made you even ask this question? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I thought, because I was thinking about it the other day and I was, and it's, it's really, really, really tough. And I'm not sure who, who I would go for. So I thought I'd put you on the spot and right, ask. Okay. Well, in reply to your question, who would you have? I would probably have so Steven Gerrard so he is a footballer for Liverpool and growing up he was I just idolized him he was a massive massive just a massive Liverpool legend and I'd love to just sit down and ask him a few questions I would probably have I would I need to have someone funny just to just to lighten the mood so I'll have a comedian so maybe someone like Ricky Gervais or Kevin Hart so it's one of those let's go for Let's go for Kevin Hart. I'm going to go for Kevin Hart. And I would have my mum, I think, because I think she's, she's, she's like me. So I get my personality and sense of humor from her. So I'll probably have those three. Yeah. So Steven Gerrard, Kevin Hart, and my mum. They're the three I'd go for. Nat Shorter, who would you have? I would, uh, I like your idea of having a comedian, but then I think, you know, I'm equally as silly as a comedian. So I don't want a comedian. 
I'll just be entertainment and be the clown for that. <laughs> um, okay, so the first person I would have is Muhammad Ali. Oh, the great shout. That's an amazing, yeah, okay. I just found him to be a very principled man. He had his morals and principles and he was so passionate about his craft that I think if I took anything from him with the passion that he had, uh, and he never compromised on his morals and principles ever. Yeah. And, and, and he reached maximum heights. I don't think anybody has reached where he was. Um, and so, yeah, that's one person. I, I think I'd be inspired by him to have him at my uh, dining table. Uh, the other person I would have, uh, I'm going to say person, but it's two in one. Okay. Who is it? My mum and dad. Okay, I'll, I'll accept. I accept. And I'll tell you why. Firstly, because my mum is an amazing cook, so I wouldn't need food. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. But like, you know, she makes some like amazing food, and I know nobody's going to complain about the food. So she's really good, and also because my dad's quite funny as well. Um, so. Uh, my dad and both because they're both there I normally tend to get carried away with everything so right. my mum and dad can just sort of wrote me back in and say listen calm down <laughs> you're going a bit over the top you know what I mean? you always need that person don't you so my mum and dad are that for me uh, yeah. so my parents and the third person I don't know if you would have ever heard of this person historically um, is a person called Hassan bin Thabit he was an Arab and he was a poet um, of the Prophet Muhammad. So he was the first Nasheed singer. Wow, okay, ever. cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm inspired by his poetry and his work and his lifestyle. Uh, may God rest his soul, because he was um, the first ever singer or poet that praised the Prophet Muhammad. So the thing that, so me being a Nasheed artist, I've, you know, I've dedicated my life to being a Nasheed singer and a Nasheed artist. And it all started with Hassan bin Thabit, uh, um, and so I think I'd probably want uh, that companion of the Prophet, Hassan bin Thabit, at the dinner table, only so that I could just take benefit from him being there and take that blessings of him and the creativity uh, in which he wrote 1400 years ago the creativity uh, that he had and just the mind that he had i thought it's quite inspiring so yeah that sounds I, like a one yeah no that sounds like a good dinner pie his name <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then obviously if i had the fourth guest i'd invite you both yeah why why would you not why would you not? <laughs> why not <laughs> So the last question is before we, uh, before we finish up. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? So this is a question about the future. So where, where do you see yourself in 2030? What do you think you'll be doing? Um, oh, that's a good question as well. You can't really predict the future. The things that I have planned for my future, um, I won't list here because we'll be here all day. Okay. Um, but... I do feel that I want to be in the same field, in the same industry that I'm in, but on a bigger platform. So to do network stuff, I'd love to do something for Radio 4 or World Service. I love what they do. Yeah. Um, something in entertainment, maybe. I would love to own a performing arts academy. Um, yeah. 
at all? Uh, that's a very difficult question. I'd probably say 10 years older and then 10 years older in my career as well. So I have progressed in what I'm doing, but on a national stage. That's, uh, that's what a perfect <laughs> way to end. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but you, listen, if you said it's perfect, then it's all right. You know, I struggle with these sort of questions. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I don't think 10 years ahead. I don't know what I'm having for tea tonight, so... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what I'm doing in five minutes, let alone <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Well, 10 years, wow. But so what other answers have you had? What did Lydia say? Uh, so what, for 10 years for now? Uh, yeah. So I think she wanted to be in broadcasting still, but at national national radio station. Uh, but yeah, so she yes, yeah, so she was really interested to talk to as 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 you are. Um, but I think that's why you two work so well as as a, as a pair, as a presenting pair. You just bounce bounces of bounce off each other so well. Uh, but yeah, so I would love to do documentaries. Okay, cool. What sort of talk to me? What what sort of documentaries? like real stuff like you know talking to people about drugs and their addictions and so sort of like a louis theroux sort of type yeah okay uh, i like what uh stacy dooley is doing at the moment oh she's amazing yeah she's so I good doing and i would love to do that travel the world and do lots of different documentaries entertaining but factual and sort of really hard-hitting stuff i would love to do hard-hitting stuff let's like let's definitely do that I think I would be really good at that. I am very passionate about a lot of things and you can see that in my emotions. I don't know if that's very good as a journalist because, you know, you want to try to remain impartial and some things you can't be yeah. impartial. Um, so that might let me down, but I would love to do documentaries. Actually, let's put that in there as well. In my 10 year thing, I want to be doing documentaries. Okay, cool. Add that list. Okay, cool. Sh shall I add that to, sh shall I see you in 10 years time and you'll be doing documentaries, yeah? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, God, I'm going to have to speak to John very soon about this. <laughs> Thank you, Husnaid. I know you're busy and I know you've got lots going on, so I appreciate you, um, you taking time out to speak to me. No, thank you so much. Uh, and have a, a nice lockdown after this as well. And definitely stay in touch. And well done for doing these, actually. It's a great initiative and I think you're really good at doing it as well. Uh, so just carry on being you, Val, because you're very good at what you do. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Look after yourself. Cheers. If you have made it this far, thank you very much for listening to the Beans Media Diary. If you have enjoyed these episodes, please subscribe or follow. I promise I'll be super grateful. And if you're feeling kind, please leave a review. A massive thank you to everyone at Beans Media for their help. Make sure you keep an eye out on their socials for details of the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>